Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. We usually keep this show strictly to stock car racing. To be honest, I don't know much about anything else. And racing is what I love to talk about. However, what happened Saturday night at Talladega Super Speedway was despicable. It's sad we have people in this world who can hate so much. I hope NASCAR terminates that individual forever, and I pray to God one day Bill Wallace feels safe walking through the garages, especially at Talladega Super Speedway. We cannot stress enough how important it is to treat everyone with respect and dignity and do what is right. The sports showed its true colors today when they all came together to support Bubba Wallace during this difficult time, and I have to say I am damn proud of that. Now, we're going to do a podcast, a podcast on NASCAR racing and the racing that took place today at Talladega Super Speedway. However, may we keep in the back of our minds the events that took place on Saturday and have it remind us that those actions should and never will should never should and never will be tolerated. We do this podcast for fun, not for money or the recognition, but for fun. That's why we're here. We hope you enjoy today's show. We hope you are as proud of the sport today as we are. It's talking in circles, everybody. Good evening and welcome. We're gonna discuss the Geico five hundred from Talladega Super Speedway. Ryan Blaney went to victory lane. It was his fourth career victory. It was a wild, wild finish. But it was a day that started off. Guys, I want to get your opinions on the opening ceremonies from Talladega. Um, you know, a day that started off last night. We all read it on Twitter. And I don't want to get too deep into this because I know we can all go all day about just how uh, despicable the actions were on Saturday. But I kind of want to focus on, on the ceremony and the national anthem and everything that took place today. Uh, on on Monday, I should say, um, at Talladega Super Speedway. And uh, the way the sport came together and stood with Bubba Wallace, I thought it was tremendous. And, uh, you know, like I said in the open, it's just that those actions should not be tolerated. What happened was despicable. Hopefully whoever they get, whoever did that will pay the price for it uh, immensely. But what did, I'll start with Philip, then I'll go to the Spencer just real quick before we get into our in-depth analysis of the Talladega race today. What did you think of the opening ceremonies, Philip, today from Talladega? Well, for me, Clayton, I mean, it's, I echo what you said on the open, uh, but it also, you know, being a being a fan of Bubba's uh, going back many years, uh, the light and the recent events that have been going on and what he's been doing in a sense of trying to, be a voice, positive change uh, has shown what, where we are as a society and uh, what I do. One thing that I, I never thought I would see in the, the event of today at the start of the race and how, you know, two of the, two of the best drivers that have ever been in stock in a stock car and, and Kevin Harvick and Jimmy Johnson basically work together and led a charge amongst the drivers, which then went to the crews, and they came together for Bubba. And then you also add Richard Petty, his owner, the king of NASCAR, 
and his support, which he has had steadfast for him for three, four years now, uh, when he was picked to be the substitute driver when Eric Almirola had his unfortunate um, injury at, at Kansas. It was a beautiful thing, and it was necessary. And it also has uh, done favors in that, you know, people who want to go and come up with different reasons or different logic for why it happened or how it happened or going to act like it was a farce or false and all this, it it made it easier for me to move forward and move away from those kind of people because they live in some alternative universe and they don't care. And um, there's the point is NASCAR is trying to move forward. And I was ashamed to be a NASCAR fan uh, yesterday. And, you know, there's times when I do have that same feeling, but the way the actions of the drivers today and for Bubba, I'm proud. And uh, today was a good race, and it was a good day for the sport. Yeah, I couldn't have said it any better myself as far as, uh, you know, being very disappointed in, in what happened and, and embarrassed, really, to to, uh, to say that I love this sport more than anything. And, and it was just – it was um, – that's certainly what I felt when I woke up and saw that this morning. It was awful. Uh, how about you, Spencer? What do you think of the pre-race ceremony? I know, um, you know, Phil said a lot there, and he was 100% right in everything he said. So, um, and, and I'm sure you probably feel the same way in a, in a lot of what he said, but what do you think? I mean, to me, it just shows you, listen, uh, as much as people destroy Jimmy Johnson for, you know, he didn't win the seven championships in the Winston Cup era. He, you know, blah, 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 blah. He's vanilla, blah, blah, blah. It just showed, to me, it showed me today what Jimmy Johnson and Kevin Harvick deserves a lot of credit, too. What they did setting up this pre-race ceremony, um, it just shows you the kind of leaders we have in this sport. And uh, I tell you, I couldn't be more proud. What were your thoughts there, Spencer, uh, on the opening ceremony at Talladega? Yeah, I thought it was uh, pretty neat that all the drivers got together and um, really just showed Bubba Wallace that they're there for him. And I tell you what, I had my eyes were watery when I seen him climb out of that race car and just lay his head on his roof crying. Um he doesn't deserve that just because of the color of his skin. You know, that's, um, it's pretty, it's pretty awful that you're basically, you know, that you would do something, um, that, that, uh, that mean, just cruel to put a noose in a garage stall because of the color of your skin the last, you know, they put on a helmet the same way they have a heartbeat, just like, um, you know, white folks. And it's, it's, it, what the drivers did, you know, really showed, Bubba that you know they care for him and the sports there for him and uh Clint Boyer said on Twitter he goes you mess with one of us you mess with all of us because NASCAR is a big family they really are you know whether these drivers have their uh battles on the track and push and shove at the end of the day they they're still all there for each other I mean you know NASCAR is a tight community and um you know it was it was it uh it was pretty touching uh you know that was, and then for the King to show up and, um, said that he wanted to be there for his driver. And, you know, he walked up and just grabbed his neck and gave him a hug and whispered something in his ear. And, um, but Bubba Wallace isn't going to let this, you know, he said, you know, I don't have my mask on today because whoever did that is not going to take the smile off my face. And that's a great attitude. And, um, he, uh, he, that's, 
it, it was pretty awesome. It really was. And uh, another thing that was awesome today at Talladega Super Speedway was the racing. Now, I think it was um, certainly helped that weather was in the forecast. And I think a lot of people thought the race could sort of end at any time. So uh, everybody was sort of racing, trying to get as many positions as, as they possibly could. But it ended up with Ryan Blaney in victory lane. He led, he beat Ricky Stenhouse Jr. by a couple of feet, if that, uh, to the start finish line. Stenhouse finished second. A good run for Eric Amarola in third. Denny Hamlin fourth. Eric Jones was fifth. And it was Chris Buescher, Alex Bowman, John Hunter Nemechek, Kurt Busch, and Kevin Harvick rounding out the top ten. The crazy part about Harvick was he stayed in the back all race long pretty much. And then the, with coming to the white flag, he was running in the first spot and ended up tenth. So uh, it's crazy how, how many positions can change at Talladega in just one lap. And that's certainly what happened there. Um, Blaney had a strong car all day, guys. He was, you know, those Team Penske cars, they got, they teamed up. Magana was fast, Kozlowski was fast. Blaney was really, really fast. And Blaney, who won here uh, back in October, last time he ran here at Talladega, uh, wins here again in the Menards car. Uh, a solid, solid day for Ryan Blaney. But also give a call to Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He gets a lot of uh, criticism for how aggressive he can be. Um, but I thought he ran an absolutely brilliant race today. Yeah, he was aggressive, but he was making some some wild moves to stay up in the front and get track position and keep track position. Um, and so he deserves all the credit in the world for that second place run and became and came that close to winning uh, JTG's first race, really on a on a uh, on Noble their first race there, um, and he came that close. But a, a great run fell up for Ryan Blaney and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Um, what were your thoughts on the on the final run there uh, from Talladega? Yeah, I mean the whole the race in itself. I think you're what you mentioned about the weather being in play. Uh, it wasn't your run of the mill Talladega where they all run up on the high line and they wait, you know, until the third segment. It wasn't a wreck fest where they wreck fifty percent of the cars. This deal was relatively clean, and the Toyotas, I'll say, were very fast by themselves, which has become the norm at these super speedways and Eric Jones with help from John Hunter almost as we were talking off line almost was able to get there. Um, Hamlin uh, had issues, but he came back up there uh, he's kind of one of the, he's shown that he's one of the best at the restrictor play type uh, tracks uh, in whatever, whether Daytona or Talladega because of being aggressive. Stenhouse has always been good at Talladega, whether it was in an Xfinity car or in a cup car, won his first career race in this race, uh, what is it, three years ago. So he, it was, they they had a fast race car at Daytona. Uh, He was one of the more aggressive guys today, trying to make things happen. Him and Kyle Busch were trying to make a lot happen uh, earlier in the day and before Kyle Busch had his issues. Uh, But the Penske cars and the Fords, were able to kind of lock up and uh, push each other a lot easier than the other manufacturers or a mix of, of brands because of how the bumper and the nose matched up. And uh, Blaney has learned from his teammates in terms of how to do these uh, races at Talladega and Daytona. And he's been up front a lot uh, in recent races and, there at those two racetracks and now he's coming home with a couple of these victories and 
a good deal for him, and uh, he has the new crew chief. So now all the all the Penske cars have, have won this year, and so that releases some uh, tension and pressure off of Blaney and that whole new situation with Todd Gordon, and uh, they can start making you know preparations for uh, the playoffs accordingly. Um, but you know that last run there at the end of the race was intense and and that's what you want you know if you're gonna you, you want to have an actual race to the finish you had Eric Almirola spinning backwards and he finished third so hey and he's had a little Talladega Knights action there right at the at the end of that deal so you got what you got a whole we got a whole bit today here at Talladega yeah you really did and there was no big one I mean really the only accident we saw was the one with Chase Elliott and Austin Dillon um that was the one one that ended both of their days. Uh, Chase Elliott obviously came out, ran two laps, and pulled it in. But Austin Dillon was done on lap 133. Uh, Matt Kenseth had an issue as well. He ended up last, which um, another tough day for him. But um, yeah, it was a, it was a race that it just shows you. And, and for people who think that NASCAR races can only be good if, if you have um, wrecks, you know, today's race is, is evidence of that. It's also evidence that not every super speedway race is going to be a wreck fest. You know, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who feel like super speedway races, and for and for understand, you know, for good reason, that every super speedway race they watch is going to be a wreck fest. Well, today wasn't that at all, and it was a very good race. And I think the drivers were a little bit more calm today for whatever reason. Uh, they could, I don't think they were going as fast as they were at Daytona, so um, you know, they were they could handle their cars a little bit more. And I'll tell you, the guy I thought uh, Spencer who was going to win that race at the end was John Hunter Nemechek. And I want to give him a call. He finished eighth. And we see those front row motorsports cars. Uh, they're usually very, very solid um, at super speed races to begin with. David Reagan won here a few years ago, probably six years ago now. Um, but, you know, they're usually very, very strong. But, man, for John Hunter, the way he made a pass on that final lap there and the way he was coming to the stripe, I thought for sure he was going to win that race. Uh, Eric Jones and him kind of made contact and threw him into the outside wall, and uh, John Hunter ended up eighth. But he certainly deserves a lot of credit for his late race surge there at the end and his run all day. Uh, an eighth place run, that's his best finish, and it's another just another solid day for the front row motorsports team. What were your thoughts on the entire race and, and John Hunter Nibichek's run there at the end? Yeah, I mean, you know, hats off to him. You know, you mentioned him them uh, Fords of front row and what Bob Jenkins does over there. They always seem to run good at those racetracks. And, um, you know, you could say it's a super speedway, but those cars, they handle really well. I mean, you see McDowell at Daytona and Talladega today wasn't really a factor, but they're always up there. And, you know, they come to these tracks, you know, knowing this is their best shot, but yeah, I mean, he was coming out of the, uh, he was coming in the trial bowl and he got on the corner of, Jones's bump runner and I thought that was Blaney's race right there I thought he was going to push Jones past the wall and then he kind of shot out to kind of make it three wide and then you know the beat and bang between the 12 and the 20 um shoved the 20 into the 38 so um good run though I mean eighth you can't beat eighth I mean he's done a tremendous job in that car and we mentioned it on past shows but the um the race I really enjoyed I and I'm you know we normally go to these tracks and you see him run this train along whatever line they want to run. And you didn't really see that. Um, you saw it a little bit. You would see a group of maybe eight cars on single file on the bottom, but there was still a top lane. Um, and I like that, you know, at Daytona, 
you know, you see them, you know, all 40 cars in a single lane, and that's just really, really boring. I thought it was a lot of action. It goes to show that you can have action-packed racing and not tear up a lot of equipment. And uh, I really, really enjoyed this race. Um, I thought it was fun, three-wide, two-wide. Guys, Dyson, I think they said 56 lead changes or something wild uh, between 19 drivers. So, uh, I mean, there was a lot of lead switching, and that's a lot um, of racing up front. It makes it exciting. And I thought, you know, um, you know, you mentioned they were calmer. They definitely were calmer. You know, really the only lane switching incident we had was when uh, the nine and the two did their little thing on the backstretch. And that was really it. You didn't really see any um, stupid blocks, uh, aggressive moves to take out the whole field. It was a clean, good race. And um, maybe that's something we can see later on, you know, when we come to Daytona in August and then back to Talladega. So um, great race. And I just want to uh, come out and say this. Uh, for the results we're discussing right now, this is a- as of Monday night, and a lot of these results made towards the back end of the field especially can change based on uh, videotapes, especially because there was a wreck towards the end there um, on, on the final lap that NASCAR allowed to the race to continue. Um, so these results are unofficial might be unofficial, so if you hear something and we we talk about a driver finishing in this position and then all of a sudden you wake up Tuesday or Wednesday and they're no longer in that position, uh, these are unofficial. I just wanted to come out and say that. Uh, and that's why we have we don't really have any points update for you right now. Um, at least we, we'll do the top 20 for you, but we don't really have anything more past that because of the it's unofficial. But uh, I want to dive a little deeper into the field. There were a few guys who um, I felt I was very impressed with. Bowman finished seventh. He did a really nice job. Uh, they had a really fast car. Hendrick looked like they had some fast cars. Ryan Priest had a really fast car too, um, but he had to pit late for for um, for gas, and he ended up 15th. Bubba Wallace finished 14th after his day. He did lead a lap. He was able to get that uh, Victory Junction gang, the Victory Junction car, up into the lead for a lap, a 14th place run. That's his sixth. I think it's a sixth top 15 run of the year, and he had all that last year. So for, through 13 races, he's. Um, accumulated his total from last year so as far as top 15 finishes are concerned so uh it's been an improvement for that 43 team immensely uh joey logano 17th really wasn't indicative of the way he ran brad kislowski 19th as well um tyler reddick another impressive day for him he led 19 laps one stage one so he's got some playoff points another impressive day um for him uh how about you philip was there somebody who stood out to you all day as maybe the best driver to me you know I was most impressed with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And again, you know, this is, I understand that he's a very aggressive driver and a lot of people look at him as a guy who, uh, you know, kind of drives with his heads off his shoulders a little bit, but I thought he ran a great race today. One stage two, darn near came that close in a Mass energy drink car to win, uh, to winning a race. And this isn't Ross Fenway for him anymore. This is a team that a lot of people kind of look at and say they're still building they haven't really had the success that Rush Fenway has had, for sure. Um, so this is a sort of a different role for him. And as as much as he gets knocked for, like I said, being aggressive, he did a great job today. And that 2017 seems to really be performing pretty well here. But was there somebody that stood out to you today, Philip, that you look at and say they just had a really solid day, a good run for them? Uh, and, and if so, who was that driver? Well, I think I would say – you know, after last week, I don't know if they, he's under the radar anymore. It 
after winning a couple of championships, is he really under the radar? But Tyler Reddick uh, had issues on pit road multiple times, sliding through the pit box, and he, late in the race, put himself back in a position to possibly win. Of course, late, having to get fuel late uh, affected uh, his final uh, position, but he did win stage one. He put himself in a position there before the rain delay to get the lead and eventually win his first stage as a cup driver. He's won at Talladega before in an Xfinity car. He won in a truck at Daytona. So it shows that this rookie class, we talked about John Hunter uh, previously. You know, Chris Bell was up there uh, at times today He before he got shuffled out. But Tyler Reddick also had a great day and somebody that would, I would say, really stood out. And it shows the progress that RCR has made across the board. Uh, they showed it last week on the, the one-and-a-half-mile program. But uh, being up front at Daytona and Talladega is something that RC is big on. And uh, Reddick was up there, and he had a chance uh, at times today. Yeah, there's no question. Again, I think Reddick even it shows you his diversity as far as how what kind of racetracks he can be competitive at and uh, he really showed that today that he can go on a super speedway race and we've seen RCR be very competitive on super speedways in the past there's no question about that but um, it's been a little while I mean Austin Dillon won the Daytona 500 when he took out uh, Eric Amarola but um, you know as far as consistently we don't really see RCR up there running in the top 10 top 5 and competing for wins and, and winning stages on super speedways and uh, Tyler Reddick did that today how about you, Spencer? Um, I'm going to ask you the same question. Was there somebody who really stood out to you that you said, man, they really ran a good race? Even somebody that needed to have a good good uh, finish today that had one, uh, who comes to mind when I, when I ask you that question? Uh, I would say Priest. Um, you know, I know 15th isn't greatest. Um but he, he ha- he's been, you know, he, you know, he has the best uh, average finish coming into this race among all active drivers since he's been in the Cup Series, which is pretty good. It's a pretty cool st- st- uh, stat to have. Um, but, yeah, 15th wasn't too bad. He was up there with a little bit of damage on his bumper, um, really working that high lane uh, to try to take the lead. And them JTG daughtery cars, they're always quick at them super speedways. And, you know, Busher always ran up front in that 37 car when he was there. Um and so it, it just goes to show that they're keep they're keeping good race cars um, at these plate tracks, and you know Priest is a good driver, um, so he had a pretty decent run. Like I said, 15th isn't the best, but you know he really needed that decent run. Maybe it can give them a little bit of momentum, um, and they can get some better finishes along the way. Um, but that's a guy who really stands out to me that still had a pretty good run today. Yeah, and I'll tell you, super speedways have a, a knack to do that with some people. Um, and again, you're right. You know, 15th. You look at it and go, that's not that great of a day. But he made a name for himself. He was up there. He got a sponsor, some recognition. And you just feel better, I'm sure, leaving the racetrack, knowing that you were, you know, part of the of the, of the conversation, at least for a little while. And Ryan Priest, who normally isn't, you know, that 37 team struggled this year at times. Uh, so for him to go out there and perform the way he did um, certainly has to be a good feeling. How about the other end of the spectrum? You know, there were a few guys towards the back end of the field who – didn't have a great race today, um, and some guys have even finished the lap down at times. Uh, so I'm going to ask, start asking you guys that. But for me, you know, one guy that, that I was kind of surprised we didn't 
hear uh, a lot more noise from was Martin Truex Jr., and he took the pole, and I think his strategy was sort of to hang out in the back. He didn't get any stage points, um, and he finished 24th. Uh, and I know he, I think he pitted on that last pit stop there to get some fuel, but, um, you know, to me, he was a guy who I thought was going to do well. And Ryan Newman, who, you know, that's Rash Fenway team as a whole has struggled this year, and Newman's going to have to find a way to win a race to get to the playoffs. Um, if he wants to do that, and he wasn't a factor at all. He pitted as well coming down um, to, which was odd. He came down on, on the uh, get up to speed lap there, um, you know, pitting there. He came, came to pit road as they were coming to get the green. So him and uh, Cole Custer did that, which I didn't really understand. But um, Ryan Newman was certainly another guy who didn't get a lot of stage points today and really wasn't a factor for the win, and he's going to need to win a race to get to the playoffs. Uh, I'll start with Spencer this time. Was there somebody that stood out to you that maybe you said, I really expected them to have a good run today, and they just, for whatever reason, just didn't? Who was that guy? Well, there's a guy that I thought would run better, but he had a decent finish. It was Chris Busher. I mean, I know he finished sixth. It's a great day. But normally he's, you know, as fast as that 17 car has been at these plate tracks, he was really nowhere up front for a lot of the race. Um you know, and he, like I mentioned, you know, when he was over at JTG Daughtery, he was always up front. You know, I mean, I couldn't tell you how many times he was in the top four coming to the end of the Daytona 500 um, the past several years. Um, but that was a car and a guy that, you know, has decent runs on these plate tracks. And, yeah, he got the finish. He, you know, a good finish. They can go home back to North Carolina and say, hey, we came away with the top ten. But I really expected them to run up front, get stage points, um, and they just really didn't do that. They were about mid-pack a lot of the day, and there was a lot of guys who did that, and we definitely don't have time to talk about all of them. But that was one guy I really thought would run up in the top five a lot more than what he did. So um, he had a good finish, just didn't really run up front all day. How about you, Philip? I mean, again, we, we discussed the guys who you uh, thought ran really good. Anybody that said out to you that kind of made you scratch your head a little bit today and say, what happened? Where, where were they all day? Who was that guy? You mentioned the two that, uh, but I, I specifically will talk about Newman in the sense that, you know, he had the 501 a few months ago, and he was fast through that whole entire week. And he's been, he, he finished second in October to New, to, to Blaney. And uh, he, he has, since he's joined the Roush team, he's been a lot more comfortable seemingly at these racetracks, which he has never been a fan of. He's always been uh, very uh, outspoken about his uh, this type of racing. But today he went tailback like Dale Jarrett would do, and he never came up to the front, and it never seemed like he – I think he made one attempt at some point later in the race but really, other than that, he just sat in the back all day. And what you said about, you know, he missed these races, he missed a, a couple of races, and then he missed the time, of course, of COVID allowed him to recover and be able to get back in the seat. He's going to definitely need a win. And how many racetracks are there at this point you know, with some of these doubleheaders, some of these places are going? Maybe Pocono is an opportunity with shorter races, but it isn't going to be as big on fuel. 
Like, where is that win going to come for Roush Fenway Racing? I mean, Busher was up there late, as Spencer was talking about, but even he just sat there and allowed everyone to go past him. He didn't make a move to go for the win himself. So I don't know what's going on there at the Roush team. Uh, they just don't seem to have uh, as much speed this year as they had last year. And, I mean, granted, you know, that's a relative thing when you're on the back end of the playoffs. But uh, I was thinking, and I had money on Newman, too, so I'd kind of make him mad, too, because I would have had a pretty good payout if he had showed up. But uh, it didn't really happen. So. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't. And and he was surprising to me just because of the fact, like I said, they're going to have to win a race. And some guys you can understand the – uh, the rear of the field strategy, Kevin Harvick, you know, he, he wins all the time. So you can understand the fact that they could hang at the rear, he could hang at the rear of the field and kind of let the race come to him. You know, certain drivers, Martin Shrek Jr., you can understand that too for for uh, an example. But to me, Busher wasn't that guy today. He's got to get every point he possibly can. He sits Peggy, he's 19th in the standings, and he's, you know, 15 back about, 14, uh, 16 back, excuse me, of Austin Dillon, and that's for 18th. So, you know, and he's way further back than Eric Jones. So he's probably going to have to win or, or at least pick up their performance immensely here. And I thought Busher had an opportunity to gain some stage points, and they got two points in stage two, but that's it, you know, and, and he needs to do more than that. And they really struggled getting stage points over there at Rash Fenway this year, both the uh, six and the 17. And what the six was good at last year was, you know, even even though they might not get stage points, they were really good at, at – the second half, you know, the the final third of the race, the final stage, really performing and finding the handle of that race car and picking it up. And, and Ryan Newman was was a guy who uh, always was was strong on the second half of the race, and we just haven't seen that from the six this year. And it was just an opportunity for him to win that. Unfortunately, uh, he wasn't able to do nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero here tonight. If that's the number to call here tonight if you want to discuss anything here on Talking in Circles. But, um, guys, I want to discuss next here is uh, the NASCAR Xfinity Series race from Talladega. It was a, uh, a, a decent race, the Unhitched 300. Uh, it ended with Justin Haley in victory lane. Uh, Ross Chastain was second. Jet Burton, who you feel sorry for, was third. Uh, what stood out to you guys? I'll give you the rest of the top ten here, actually. Austin Cedric fourth, Brett Manoff at fifth. Anthony Alfredo, 6th, A.J. Allmendinger, 7th, Greg Galding, 8th, Alex LeBay, ninth, and Noah Gregson, 10th. What stood out to you guys uh, from the Xfinity race? I'll start with you, Spencer. Uh, from the Xfinity race, what stood out to you that was uh, interesting? And how about Justin Haley going to victory lane? Uh, his first career Xfinity Series win, although last year he won uh, at Daytona, I believe it was, and he got called for uh, below the yellow line, which was very controversial. But um, what were your thoughts on, on Justin Haley's victory on Saturday. Yeah, college was fast. I mean, they really showed up and, you know, they were kind of like the Penske cars today. They worked together a lot. Um, you know, and the only time they really weren't together was when they got kind of shuffled up and, you know, separated a little bit. But other than that, they were fast. Um, yeah. And the, the only thing I, and I just want to point out on this is when Ross gives Haley the shove to the lead, it's so hard for the cars that are running side-by-side side to do anything. Um, so, really, as soon as Ross gave Haley that push into three, it was pretty much over um, at that point because you got Jeb and Ross just side-by-side. Side. 
And unfortunately, that's just how it is. You know, you're going to drag each other down. The leader's just going to maintain his lead, and you're not really going to gain on him. So, um, but I'm not taking away from his win. I thought, you know, like I said, you know, one of those cars deserved to win. They were so fast. Um, colleagues swept, you know, everything there was to win. The dash for cash with Ross, the 100K, and, you know, Haley gets the trophy and locks himself into the playoffs. So, um, you, know, I, you know, I'm a fan of Ross, so I kind of pull for that team a little bit, um, you know, as a whole, not just so much Ross if they're running up front. I like to see because if one of them's running front, that means they are bringing fast race cars to the racetrack. So, um, good race by Haley. Um, and you know, he, I think he's won, he's won in all three series now that he has the cup win at Daytona, uh, last year in the J- July race. So, uh, hats off to him. Great job to Ross. And yeah, it's kind of bum- a bummer for Jeb, you know, he's worked so hard to get where he's at. And, you know, just because his father was in the cup series, not everything was handed to him. So, um, you know, another good run for him. And I wish he'd get a little bit more, uh, rides, um, a little bit more starts in that eight car than what he does, but. Uh, when he's in there, he performs good, and that's uh, that's all he can do. You know, just perform when you have your shots and your opportunity will come. Yeah, it was a tough day for Jeb. There's no question. He uh, looked like he had that race one at the end. And, you know, when it gets to the end of those races, it's it's so hard because you need help, you know, for Haley. What really benefit, what he benefited from was having his teammate Chastain there and basically a guy you knew was not going to leave your back bumper, and Jeb didn't have really that guy. A lot of his teammates were taken out in a couple of wrecks. Uh, if, if not, they were deep, buried deep in the field. So he really didn't have that opportunity late uh, to do that. So that really hurt him uh, there at, at the end. But um, what stood out to you, Philip, from the Xfinity race? I mean, it was cool to see the uh, Colic team and they, that the fact that they really are like a family with, with everyone there. And, and A.J. Allmendinger and Chastain and Haley got out and hugged each other uh, after winning and Chastain just gave all the credit to Haley, said he's a great kid, et cetera. Um, they really performed well on these play tracks here. Hale, uh, Chastain won at Daytona last year, so they've been really, really fast. Uh, also give a call to Anthony Alfredo. I thought he had a really good race, too, in the, in the RCR car, and Colleg has an RCR affiliation. But what were your thoughts there uh, on that unhinged 300 in the NASCAR Xfinity race at Talladega on Saturday? Yeah, when we look at you know, this Colleg, than what they the progress they've made prior to the stoppage, the colleague team was not in in great shape. I think the expansion to a second team, of course, Chastain misses Daytona. Almendinger doesn't make the race either. Then you'd have to buy a ride for Chastain. Haley has issues and has to go and start tailback. So that momentum kind of went through that West Coast swing, and they weren't in a good place. But since they came back, Haley's been running better. Chastain's definitely been a factor on a week-to-week basis. Of course, AJ goes and wins at Atlanta, utilizing, you know, the fortune of some of the other front runners. It's a good thing for the sport. They need to make sure they keep Matt Collig and they keep him happy because he's literally the last guy Uh an, a businessman who who loves this sport and is investing in it, and he's got these young guys, and he's got a great group with Chris Rice and that whole team. And you're you're they need to make sure that team is able to be around because he's the last of the breed at this point. Uh, and you have to give credit to that group. They they bring those those RCR affiliated 
cars in general, as we mentioned with Reddick earlier, you know, they'll always seem to run well. They come in Paldega and to go and get the dash for cash, get the win. Haley's one of the, I think the second youngest driver after Kyle Busch to get uh, wins in all three series. Um, he's like seventh all time in like the least number of, of days or something. I, I, I read it somewhere. So, I mean, Haley's been up there, and you're just wondering when is he going to make that step and finally get through for that first win. He gets it now. Pressure is off in that sense. And now you can start looking at Colley, kind of putting a little more weight for Ross to get his win and move towards uh, the playoffs. Yeah, when you look at the point standings from the Xfinity Series, um, Gregson leads. He's got a 15-point lead over Chase Briscoe, and then it's Austin Sindrick. Ross Chastain, who you brought up a good point, Philip. You know, Colley got off to such a horrid start this year. Chastain's sitting there fourth in the standings, really strong, and I expect that team to really pick up their performance here moving forward uh, in the season because I just think they, um, you know, they just had such a tough start, and they finally found their legs underneath them here, and they've really been good. Uh, Harrison Burton's fifth, Haley's sixth. He got his win, so he's locked in. Brandon Jones is seventh, and it's Justin Allgaier, Michael Annette, uh, Ryan Sieg, Riley Herbst, and Brandon Brown right now sits 12th in the standings with Myatt Snyder technically 13th of the full-time drivers way back. But Snyder and, jo- and Josh Williams and Alex Obey, they're really going to need um, to gain some points. And they have Daytona left, and, and they'll be able to win now at the end of the year, at the end of the regular season. That's scheduled now if nothing changes. Um, but that's really, I think, the only way those guys are going to get in. We're going to see a different 12. Because Brown's been really strong this year. Unless he completely drops the ball, I expect him to make the playoffs. Um, 917-889-8282, that's the number to call here tonight. I want to get your guys' opinions real quick here on the Hall of Fame inductees. We didn't get a chance um, last week to discuss this because of the day it happened. I know I did a little segment on it uh, myself, but I wanted to get your guys' opinions on the Hall of Fame. And to me, the Hall of Fame is a very um, – I'm very passionate about it, and I know we've had discussions offline about the Hall of Fame and how I feel about it. But I'm just going to say this. You know, I think of all the guys that got in, they all deserved it. Dale Earnhardt Jr. deserved it, certainly. Uh, Mike Stefanik deserved it. Red Farmer for his uh, it, it, for what he did in the uh, sportsman division. They certainly all deserved to um, get into the Hall of Fame. But my problem is, and, and I don't want to rain, rain uh, again, rain on anybody's parade, my problem is just there just seems to be a, a weird, um, you know, like a disrespect for the crew chief position. And I could dive into that a little bit later if you're not really understanding what I'm saying. But uh, how about I'll start with Spencer since it was your guy getting in with Dale Earnhardt Jr. and um, then it was Mike Stefanik and Ben Farmer. Um, what was your reaction when you, when you heard the news that Dale Earnhardt Jr. was officially a NASCAR Hall of Famer? Yeah, I mean, he – I mean, as much as he's done for the sports, incredible. Um, you know, yeah, he might not have had, you know, the best uh, cup career that, you know, people was having. I'm a big Dale Jr. fan, and you know that, and I'll admit that. Um, you know, there are people who have had way better careers than him in the Cup Series. Um, but the way I look at it, you know, this is not called the Cup Series Hall of Fame. This is called the NASCAR Hall of Fame, and the Truck Series, the Xfinity Series, and the Cup Series is all in NASCAR the last time I checked, so... Um, two championships over there. You know, his organization has won several championships. 
with Reddick and Chase and Martin Truex Jr. way back in the day. And, um, you know, he's helped a lot of people without, you know, Truex says it today, um, without, you know, Jr., he wouldn't be where he is today. And, you know, he gives so many young kids opportunities. And, you know, it's good to have, you know, Dale in the sport. Um, and, as, you know, you got to give a shout-out to Kelly, too. She does a lot over there. She's, you know, she's actually the boss, um, I would say, more than Dale Jr. Um, and, you know, he's he's two-time Daytona 500 champion. So he has, you know, he has a few things on his cup side, you know, that, um, you know, are big accomplishments. Um, the only thing really missing is that elusive championship that he never got, um, which is unfortunate. But, you know, he's he's done his time. He's retired. He's, you know, he's a father now. He's a husband um, to Amy. And, um, you know, and for him to be into the Hall of Fame as a fan is pretty incredible. And I'm sure a lot of people would agree that he deserves in um, for how much he's done with the sport. And his, 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 what he says, it means so much to so many people. His voice is so loud um, because he means that much to a lot of people in the sport. And um, I think it's pretty neat to see that he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, for sure. I tell you, it was uh, something that um, you know I wasn't surprised about. For sure, I'm, I mean, he was on the ballot. You kind of knew he was going to get in. How about you, Philip? I know uh, you're a little bit more versed in the uh, modified world than, than I certainly I am, and I, and I don't want to speak to Spencer, but I would think you're more versed than him as well. Uh, Mike Stefanik, who passed away a few years ago in a plane accident. Um, what were your thoughts on on him getting in, and of course Red Farmer for the uh, for the you know for what he did in the Sportsman Series and all those contributions to NASCAR. What were your thoughts when you saw those two get into the Hall of Fame? Yeah, that was, I mean, for, I've been a a fan of Mike Stefanik going back years. I, I only caught him on, he had been winning championships well before I even started knowing who he was. And he's still, he's a nine-time champion in the NASCAR series between the Modifieds and the, what is now the ARCA East series. So, you know, like uh, I think he's tied with, um, with um, Richie Evans. So that it's a shame he passed, you know, that we lost Mike Stefanik and that he's going to go in posthumously, but he's going in. And as Spencer said about, you know, Junior, his contributions as a whole, I think made as big of a difference for why he's in the Hall of Fame and he he was, but Mike Stefanik, it also proves that this is the NASCAR Hall of Fame. He, on the Northeast, there's so many drivers that, you know, they looked up to him and they wanted to be like him. And he came down south. He ran a season in the Truck Series, won the Truck Series Rookie of the Year for Dale Phelan in the 66. And he finished second, I think, in his second career truck start. And, uh it wasn't he, – he did his thing. He came down south, did what he proved that he could come down south and run all right, but he knew he could make more money up north and running a modified and running a an East car, and that's what he did. And uh, Red Farmer, it, it connects – like you connect the Northeast and you connect the Modifieds and some of those the, – the weekly racing series with Stefanik. You connect the media and modern day with Junior and – with Red Farmer, you keep the connection to the Alabama game. With, of course, Bobby and Davey Allison, Neil Bonnet's on the ballot. You know, there'll be other, I would assume, at some point they may end up putting Donnie on there too. But 
the connection of the Alabama gang, all the great sportsman wins. He's nearly 90 years old. He's still racing. Uh, Red Farmers is a, is a living legend, and uh, in, it's it's a and hopefully he'll be God willing will be able to have a speech, uh, and in January because that'll be one to uh, watch and to listen to because of all that oh, he's yeah. experienced in this sport because he said he has a connection to Earnhardt because he was connect he he ran against Ralph Earnhardt. He when he first started his career he ran against Ralph Earnhardt and he drove against Dale Earnhardt <laughs> and he's also been able to see Dale Jr. So I mean it shows how 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 long this sport's been around. Yeah, it's pretty incredible how long Red Farmer's been around and, and you know when you talk about sportsmen he was there you know, uh, at the first race at Talladega Super Speedway, um, but he was in the sportsman race, and they they uh, so I mean he he has been around that long, you know, and still racing as you mentioned. Um, he, he ran his first Cup race for for example at the age of twenty in 1953. So it just shows you just how long he's he's been around. And he I, I lied, he wasn't there at Talladega, but he was running he won the championship that year in sportsman. So um, you know, when he ran two races in '92. Ran ARCA races all the way up to 2004, so and that was at the age of 71. So it just shows you how uh, competitive he has been, and, and he's still running dirt races, as you said, um, here and there. So um, certainly a worthy Hall of Fame. And that, that, this is my gripe this year. is, is and I, I know I discussed this a little earlier in a piece I did um, last week, but I just kind of want to reiterate it a little bit. And, and I'm, had, I didn't have that much of a problem with who got a, uh, inducted this year. It's more of a problem who I looked at and said, as far as the uh, modern-day ba- ballot, who finished third and fourth? You know, they came out and told you, you know, Junior and Stefanik obviously get into the Hall of Fame. And then third and fourth were Neil Bonnet and Ricky Rudd. And, I'm, and listen, I, I love Neil Bonnet. I love Ricky Rudd. Um, I think Ricky Rudd, and, and I'm a little high on him than a lot of other people, I think Ricky Rudd's certainly a Hall of Famer. Um, and I do same about Neil Bonnet. But it's kind of curious to me how, you know, Kirk Shelmerdine's on that list with four championships and 46 wins as a crew chief. Was Dale Earnhardt's right-hand man from 1984 to 1992, and you know he doesn't get any. He doesn't even get in the top four vote getting, and and I don't understand that. It seems like there's a a little bit of a disrespect to the crew chief position. Uh, you haven't seen um, guys like you know. Um, uh, Gary uh, Nelson. Gary Nelson not on there. Uh, Todd Parrott hasn't been on there yet. You know, um, Jeff Hammond's a guy who I think deserves a lot, deserves a lot of consideration to be in the hall of fame. He's got multiple championships. So that's really my big gripe with the voting committee right now is, you know, let's get some of these guys who really deserve to be in the hall of fame, who are real uh, impact guys, uh, as far as crew chiefs were concerned that need to be represented in this hall of fame. And, And I don't know if fact that they don't really take that that role seriously which is i hope not the case um because you know the only crew chiefs that are in are guys who also have a little bit more to do with with nascar than than the, just the crew chief role you know uh yeah you had dale inman who was sort of a you know he he was a crew chief but he won eight championships he's sort of an outlier there but he also helped run uh petty enterprises for a while ray everham owned his own race team for a while while Del wilson was also an engine builder on top of being a crew chief so, uh, you know, there, there's more to the story with a lot of these other crew chiefs. But, um, you know, I, I, to me that's just the biggest problem right now with the Hall of Fame. And, and I wish we could just give them a little bit more credit uh, 
with the guys. And again, I think the guys who were in, I have no problem with it. You know, as far as um, the Hall of Fame is concerned, because of the way it's done. Now we can discuss. I, mean, I could do a whole show to me on on how it's done and what I think should be done to to make the Hall of Fame a little bit better. But that's a different discussion for a different day. I don't want to take away anything from the people who were inducted this year. But uh, certainly a very interesting um, uh, class that went in this year. I want to say this too, and this is, I'll wrap up the whole thing by saying this. Uh, a lot of people looked at this class as sort of lackluster. You know, Junior obviously was a big impact guy. Stefanik, not a lot of guy, people who were just familiar with the Cup Series and really outside the Northeast knew who he was. Um, and then Red Farmer, who you look at and say, if you were kind of an old school guy in the 60s, in the 70s, you knew who he was, but after that, you know, you kind of know him through, you know, being the Alabama gang, but you didn't really watch him race that well. And I just want to say, you know, it's going to feel lackluster when you're only taking three guys instead of normally taking five. Of course it's going to feel lackluster. So uh, I just wanted to kind of kind of put that out there um, as well. 917-889-8280, that is the number to call here tonight on Talking Circles. And, and Philip, I'm going to start with you on this. You know, next week we have a four-race weekend at Pocono Raceway including a doubleheader in the Cup Series. Now, we saw doubleheaders in Xfinity last week at Homestead Miami Speedway, how that was all done. Um, but Pocono is going to be done sort of in the similar way where you're going to have a race on Saturday, and then they're going to invert the top 20, pretty much the same cars, and they're going to run uh, on Sunday as well. But what do you expect to see? It's this sort of unprecedented in the Cup Series with having two races at the same racetrack in the same uh, back-to-back days. Um, what do you expect to see at Pocono? And who do you expect to be fast here um, when we go there for the Cup Series race this weekend? Yeah, just doing a doubleheader with the Cup Series. I'm sure Pocono is, if everything had been normal, I think they were going to have uh, packed stands. They draw very well anyway in general, but they were going to have a great crowd and they have uh, they do a great job. But now they're they're having to do it online and with virtual stuff. Um, as hopefully weather, you know, you know, fingers crossed. But when you consider what NASCAR has been dealing with since they came back, they've been getting rain, I think, everywhere. Um, so even if the people that the a-holes that want to complain about Pocono and rain, it's been raining ever since they've come back. So you can shove it. Uh, the, in terms of Cup, who's going to be up there? I, I think the first race, I'm not if it's the top 20 invert or if it's everybody on the – because I think the original announcement was everybody that's on the lead lap, they're just going to go and flip it. But I don't know, who knows? They change rules as they go along. I think the first race is a shorter race. It's only uh, 325 miles, so it's 130 laps. Um, I, that There could be a little bit more strategy in that one uh, than the 350-miler uh, the on Sunday. Of course, they have a later start for the Sunday race. Gibbs is usually good there. All the the guys have won there. Uh, I mean, Jones hasn't, but he's been up there up front. Uh, all the other guys have are known commodities at uh, at Pocono as being winners. Uh, Kyle Busch has had a rough uh, stretch, but you know it wouldn't make it wouldn't be surprising if he went out and won one or both of those races. Uh, next weekend, it's one of his better racetracks. I mean, is there really a bad racetrack for Kyle Busch? But it wouldn't shock me if he went out there and did that. The Penske cars, it, it, I think it'll just be more status quo 
because it's 550 rules package, even though it is a different racetrack. Um, it'll be more status quo, but I would say the Gibbs guys uh, will be the ones to watch uh, this weekend at Pocono. How about you, Spencer? You got to pick for who can win the cup race, and then I'll get your opinion on the Xfinity Series and Truck Series events. Yeah, it's it's um, you know it's hard to bet against the 18 um, for as good. I mean, like Phil said, there's not really a bad racetrack for him. Um, you know, he had a fast car today in Super Speedway, so um, I don't know. I'll just go on the line and say Martin Truex. Um, you know, just because he's won there twice, I believe, um, back in 2015 when he got one with Furniture Row, and then he got one in 2018 with um, you know uh, 78 again, I believe. Yeah, it was 78. So I mean, he has two wins there, and so I, I would say between those two drivers, you know, they're going to be tough to beat. But then you got to look at them Hendrick guys; they've been fast. Um, you know, ever since we came back racing after all this virus stuff. So, um, but I'm going to have to put my, uh, my money on Truex. Certainly not bad pick guys for sure. Uh, in that race, uh, the Xfinity series race as well, which we're going to, uh, be at Pocono raceway as well. All three series this weekend are represented, um, at Pocono raceway. That's going to be the Pocono green two twenty five. It's on Sunday before the cup race at 1230, that is going to be the NASCAR Xfinity Series event. Um, you know, it's still weird to me these Xfinity guys running Pocono. They hadn't done it for so long. Uh, and when we were kids growing up, you know, it was just Cup and Arca uh, at, at Pocono. There was no trucks and there was no Xfinity. So having a four-race weekend, it's a shame because it would have been really a lot of fun if, if we could have gone there and watched all four events in, in one week. Um, but unfortunately, that's not going to be the case here with the coronavirus. But um, – Xfinity race, Philip. Uh, who do you think is going to be strong? Um, of course, you're going to have your normal players. Probably the 98 is going to be up there with Chase Briscoe. Um, Justin Allgaier, of course. The 9 has been very good with Noah Gregson, Ross Chastain. Anybody stick out to you? Maybe Harrison Burton. Uh, stick out to you who's going to be fast in the Xfinity Series event? Yeah, I mean, the, the big three, I think, has been established here. It, for 2020 in the Xfinity, it's it's Chase Briscoe, it's it's Harrison Burton and Noah Gregson. I think it starts with those guys. Uh, but you know you have to look at uh, it goes back to Toyotas uh, in general seem to just go well there. Doesn't matter who's in them. Usually it's Kyle Busch, but because this is a dash for cash race, they don't he's not in it. So the or that I mean that you'll it'll be an interesting race uh, they in the sense that the regulars will be able to get their points really get stage points and get stage wins for the playoff points so it should be a little bit more intense uh, up front it's not a very long race 225 miles is whatever 100 laps I believe so I mean it's not a really long stages but it's a long lap. So there's opportunities to make mistakes and there's opportunities though to really make gains. Uh, I think Sindrick would be an outside guy because you have to shift and he's a really good road racer. Um, he would be an outside guy. I would think they have a good uh, Xfinity package at uh, Pocono Raceway. So I would, if we're going to go out on a limb, I'd go and say Sindrick. How about you, Spencer? Uh, just real quick to wrap up the show, let's discuss 
the Xfinity series, who do you think is going to be strong? And then we'll get to your pick in the truck series. Um, I don't know. I would like to say Ross just because, you know, as you guys mentioned earlier, he's really, uh, you know, ever after the West coast swing, he's really stepped it up a little bit. And, uh, well, you know, I think in the beginning of the year, we really thought he was the guy to run away with this thing and really win a lot of races and hasn't really shown that. So I would, uh, say, uh, Ross would can finish. He's won there in the truck series actually, um, last year. So, uh, maybe he can get it done in the Xfinity series. Yeah, uh, he's certainly a guy to look at, keep an eye out for. Uh, Truck Series race uh, is on Saturday at 12.30. Um, That is the uh, Pocono Organics 150 on Saturday. Um, You know, just just skimming skimming the the Truck Series entry list, there doesn't appear to be a uh, Cup Series driver on there, but there's certainly a couple of guys who stand out in the 51 this week. You've got um, Brandon Jones, who normally doesn't race, uh, so he's somebody to keep an eye on as well. He doesn't race in the series, I should say. Um, and then you also have um, uh, in the Chase Purdy in the 24, uh, and GMS also has all their trucks in there. So it's going to be a very interesting race, the first real uh, truck series event without Kyle Busch in what feels like forever. Uh, but, so, uh, Spencer, I'll start with you. Truck series pick from Pocono this weekend. Um, man, uh, I'm going to have to go out and just say, um, uh, I don't really care for the guy, but Austin Hill, he showed a lot of speed, um, this year so far as the points leader. Um, but you know, I got to go with my gut, you know, just because I don't like the guy don't mean I can't pick him to win. Um, so he's been really fast this year over there at Hattori Motorsports. Um, they got a good little truck program, one championship, Brett Moffitt. So I think uh, they're going to be fast, and you got to look out for them. How about you, uh, Philip? Truck Series event from Pocono. Who do you got? Yeah, the you know uh, Spencer just mentioned it about Ross and last year winning uh, the this race in the Nice Motorsports 45. So that's where I'm going. I'm going to go with Ty Majeski. Uh, there's, there's some of the runs he's had, the finishes don't show where how good he really has been. I feel like at some point him and Phil Gould have to, you know, kind of switch the momentum and and really go and and flip the script. And this is an opportunity race at Pocono to go and do that. And and 60 laps, of course, is a relatively also relatively short race, but. You know, they have a good truck. They have a good setup for for the flatter racetracks. And, of course, Ty Majewski is, is a really strong guy in terms of flatter racetracks. So that, I feel like, is an opportunity to go and get yourself locked into the playoffs, change all that momentum that has been a negative start to the year, and get yourself in there uh, with the, G- the Nice Motorsports team of Ty Majewski. Well, that'd be a big win for him if he can if they're able to do that. Um, his first career uh, truck series win. I mean, wild. I mean, I'm just curious to see how this all plays out at Pocono this uh, doubleheader weekend in the Cup Series with these guys using their uh, same car in back-to-back days. We saw it in the Xfinity. It was a good, good, good show at Homestead. We'll see if it's the same way 
at Pocono Raceway. And, and again, a final word, just want to uh, say to everybody, uh, great job today by NASCAR and everybody in the NASCAR community for stepping up and really supporting what was right. And uh, I thought it was a great, great day um, all around, including the racing at Talladega. I want to thank Spencer Cowan and, and Philip Matthew, and we'll see you next time on Talking Circles. Good night, everybody. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.